Hey, welcome hockey fans. It's time again for another edition of Talking Hockey. This is an Inside Sports production. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. And hey, the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs are underway here. And we're going to be doing the Western Conference, the second round now. We've had uh, four teams eliminated. So now we're down to the final four in the Western Conference. And we'll see who advances. As you know, I don't do this alone. I do enlist the help of only the very, very best. Even if I have to go out of the country to do it, I do it. Eastern Canada, somewhere in a bunker, is the man that some of you follow on Twitter at the Schwartz 5454 and you should be following him. That's the Schwartz, the S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z 5454. None other than one of the foremost goaltending consultants you'll find anywhere, a hockey expert. Here he is, none other than Lonnie Schwartz. Tomorrow, Lonnie, what's happening out there, man? Wait, the round of applause should have been bigger for an introduction like that, and I'm not hearing I'm not hearing the love, but I'm getting it from you, so I appreciate it very much, Charles. Thanks for bringing me on again. Hey, so what do you think? You know, we're doing Western Conference. We both love hockey here. I'll have to say that overall, I mean, not talking just – the West, uh, but it honestly was a little bit lackluster. The first round series, I mean, obviously we're doing this on Wednesday, the 25th of April. We're awaiting that fantastic, what should be a fantastic game seven of Toronto and Boston, even though that's an Eastern Conference. But that really seems like the only place where the drama was was that series. But overall, I mean, did you get that feeling with the with the first round? Yeah, I've been giving it thought to that because here we are talking about the Western Conference and we looked and we broke it down. I think the only series that we came up a little short on in our prognostications were the L.A. Kings and Las Vegas Golden Knights, whereas the Golden Knights relative inexperience still trumped a wealth of experience from the Kings and their offensive resurgence from the season. But otherwise, yeah, we we had Winnipeg all set to beat to beat the Wild. And then, of course, it may not have been the sweep we anticipated, but Colorado fell to the Predators. And then San Jose, they just they just grabbed the brooms and said. And they buried the Ducks. That was the thing. That's It's one thing with the Kings. You know, they, they lost four straight. But, you know, the, the total goals, it was seven goals scored by the Knights over the course of four games. Three goals scored by the Kings. The Knights had seven different goal scorers. And, you know, that was so it was a lot closer. But as far as the Sharks over the Ducks, I think they outscored them, what, 16 to 4 over the course of the series? It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I mean, I'm looking just now at the statistics for the playoffs in the Western Conference. Logan Couture, Joe Pavelski, Thomas Hurdle, Evander Kane, Marcus Sorensen. Just just that, that spots 10 through 15 right there. Five, four points apiece throughout that. That's balanced scoring. Mm -hmm. Of course, they have Burns on the blue line, who's playing great defense, great offensive contributions, putting pucks towards the net. They're getting some solid goaltending from Martin Jones. On top of that, let's not not overlook the fact that he's made some really strong saves. He's, as we've identified before, a playoff goaltender. He'll have a good regular season, but he's found a way to find that other gear in the playoffs. And, and no Joe Thornton, by the way. Yeah, no, no, no did no, not no, play. No. We don't know if he'll be available or not in the uh, in the second round here against Vegas as they match up. But no Joe Thornton, and they're they're really closed lipped about everybody. I think in the playoffs, everybody is day to day. 
It's Tree. like, oh, Lonnie had to pick up his kneecap off the ice and they put it back on in the room. It's like, hey, he's day-to-day. -day. Hey, all right. He'll come back in a couple games. Hey, put a little spit on it. He'll be good. Maybe some crazy glue. Um, yeah. I, I, everybody, like you said, is injured. Look no further. In the Eastern Conference, easily, you, you look at Couturier, Sean Couturier. I played with a torn MCL. Right. And, and he put up a performance and a half, but that's on the Eastern side. Of course, we're sticking to the West. It's Evander Kane. He's yeah. contributing huge to San Jose. That trade from Buffalo really paying off on the offensive scheme of things. And, and like you said, though, we're, they're playing Vegas. We underestimated them. I think everybody underestimated them, said, okay, Cinderella season's over. It's time for the real deal. It's the playoffs, and they go ahead and and sweep the LA Kings, whose goaltender had a legendary performance in a four-game sweep. But then there's Mark Andre Fleury, whose goals against is under one. Who Nine, has seven eight, seven like save percentage. Like it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. But I I gotta say I feel as though San Jose is going to pose more of an offensive challenge. I don't see this as a sweep. But now, I mean, can I say and underestimate Vegas? Absolutely not. Like, right now, I'm giving some serious pause for a prediction on this because they, by the numbers, should not have beaten the Los Angeles King. Riley Smith had three points. He was their leading point getter. Right. Three <laughs> points is your leading point getter. Like, that shouldn't happen. These statistical anomalies shouldn't happen. But even then, you can look at how they play as a team, as a unit. You were pointing it out. Relentless forward check. Relentless back check. Front to back. They've got depth from the first line to the fourth line. There's no bona fide huge superstar. There's balanced scoring. And they have the flower playing unbelievable between the pipes. So, you know what? I'm going to go out there. I, yeah, I want San Jose to win. I really want them to win. <laughs> but I can't do this again to myself. So if I'm going to pick a team, my head is telling me this. As much as my heart wants to say San Jose, my head is saying Vegas is, is gosh. Yeah, I said gosh. Well, I think, I think if you put, make it to the conference final. If you look at it, if we just take it from the net out, it's, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury against uh, Martin Jones. I, I think, you know, Jones has played well, but you've got to give kind of an edge to Fleury at this moment, considering everything. And what's going to be interesting, too, is that both of them swept. So both teams got to sit around for a whole week, which means, yes, you're rested, but you haven't been able to stay in that flow. So we'll see a few players got to lick their wounds, which is a good thing, but We'll see what the tempo is in this first game, which is going to be on Thursday, April 26th. Uh, and then the blue line, you know, no, like we said, the, the best player there is for the Sharks. That's Brent Burns. But, you know, Derek England is up for the Mark Messier Leadership Award, no longer presented by Bridgestone, by the way, uh, this year. So he leads that solid group. And then with the forwards, I think you may say more scoring depth uh, with when you look at uh, Joe Pavelski, look at Logan Couture, Evander Kane, and Marcus Sorensen coming to the party. Uh, you may Hurdle. give that. Thomas Hurdle, yes, absolutely. Number 48, love Thomas Hurdle. But I, I think that Vegas is quicker up front, but you have more bona fide scores. And that's the thing is, if Joe Thornton comes back, 
you know, how effective will he be? Joe Thornton's not a speed guy, anyone who knows. He's effective, but he's not fast. So will Vegas take advantage of that? I like this. A good series. I got to go. I'm saying Vegas, and if I had to pick, I'd say Vegas in probably six games. If that speed factor really becomes a problem, and if you see San Jose struggle with the speed, it could get ugly. Because if Vegas forward. understands that they and they start controlling the neutral zone, if they're able to control the way they did against the Kings, it's going to neutralize a lot of what uh, the San Jose Sharks like to do. But I think the Sharks, they're not going to get swept. Um, I say, like I said, picking a series, I always say either four or five, five or six, or six or seven, depending on how tough it's going to be. And I say Vegas here in uh, – I'm tempted to say five or six. Don't want to disrespect San Jose. I'm saying I say Vegas in five or six. I'm going to stick with that. And, five or and, six games, Vegas. And I will concur. At least my head will concur, but my heart goes, please, please, just just let San Jose have a shot. <laughs> Although when it comes to the next series, I'm really not so sure it's going to matter who Vegas or San Jose faces. I'm like, I can see the winner of the Predators Jet series going to the Stanley Cup. And man, this is going to be a, a great series because it's going to be, if you like hard hitting, it's going to be that. Uh, we're going to see skill. We're going to see great goaltending on both sides. I love watching Dustin Bufflin. I mean, that's like a defensive end. Just, you know, that's uh, just six, three. six, five, oh, 265, and can skate like the wind. And if you want to entertain yourself, look up on YouTube. Just look up Dustin Bufflin's greatest hits anywhere and just grab yourself a beer, sit back and watch. And uh, it's amazing. But Nashville obviously has the edge here. They've got to have the edge going in. Almost got there last year. This year they seem even tougher, even though they had their little moments against Colorado. Uh, The Predators, they had a moment, one moment against the Wild. And other than that, they destroyed them. So what do you think of this one here? I mean. Well, you know, we can look at the scoring again. It's easy to start with the scoring. And when you have Austin Watson, Colton Sissons, and Philip Forsberg taking three out of the four top spots in the West, and then Matthias Ekholm, who's or Matthias Ekholm finally starting to produce defensively. And then even Roman Yossi was, was held to no goal. Right. How do you hold Roman Yossi and stifle PK Subban enough all the while, all the while winning a series? If those guys. If those guys start putting up points, look, I like Winnipeg, and they've got some great offense too. They've really done a good job of balanced scoring, some strong defense, coming back from some injuries. Like Tyler Myers is already coming back. And Tiger Tiger Myers, I'm kind of missing those two letters. I'm jumbling here. It's like I'm playing a word game. Tyler Myers looked like he, he snapped his ankle. He caught an edge between the ice and the boards. It looked like his ankle's toast. It's one of those uncomfortable injuries that you look at and go, that's like Moises Alou sliding into second base. I don't ever want to see that again kind of injury. I and remember then, that play. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's back. So, you know, Jacob Truba, if he's, if he's healthy, Dustin Bufflin, but it didn't matter. They cycled through and they still played well. Ehlers, Nikolai Ehlers. He was injured. Didn't matter. They're still putting up points. And you're right. They obliterated the Wild, even though they did lose Suter and they did lose Parise. Right. Majority of the run. I don't think that really would have mattered. 
But from player to player, line to line, overall balance, I really think it's going to be a, a difficult task for Winnipeg to beat the defending Western Conference champions being the Nashville Predators. The goal, from the goal out, both Vesna candidates, Hellebuck having a great year and an even stronger playoff. He's having a stronger playoff mm-hmm. than Pecorine is. Over both Vesna Trophy candidates, and you've got, like we said, from there and out, if you want to measure it, the defense. Are you really going to give the edge to Winnipeg when you look player for player? You've got Yossi, Subban, Ekholm, and, and, and Dan Ellis. Not Dan Ellis, sorry, Ryan Ellis. Right. And Ellis, former goaltender for the Predators. Ryan Ellis, compared to the lineup on Winnipeg, who's had some bang-ups, I'm going to go defensive nod to to the Predators. And then the offense, again, both very balanced, but the, the depth seems to just keep rearing its head for, for them. And, the, and that's just the numbers. That's right. just the numbers. Then look at the intangibles. Yeah, there are some really exciting players in Winnipeg. You've got Line A, you've got Shifley, who is one of the more underrated centers in the league. But Philip Forsberg has two highlight real goals already in the first round. This is <laughs> – like everybody's pointing this out and we've pointed it out as well. Marty Erat, the big trade that, that Washington made when they had a playoff run a few years ago. And it's like, yeah, we'll give up on this Forsberg guy. No problem. We got depth. And now he's like the crown jewel of the offense. And Ryan Johansson's even performing well, yeah. a big ticket, a big ticket contract. I might add that people were a little disappointed about during the regular season. So while he's contributing, the wingers are contributing. Jeez. Victor Arvidsson, he scored one of the goals of the playoffs, too. He didn't even have full extension on his stick. And, you know, Just Mr. Underwood playing, too. Mr. Underwood came back to play. And, by the way, did, any, did anybody catch Victor Arvidsson trying to pull the Michigan? Does everybody remember what the Michigan is? I, yes, I do. You do. For the uninitiated, the Michigan is the lacrosse move from behind the net where you whip it onto the stick blade and just try and wrap it around and tuck it under the bar. Yep. I mean, whoa. Arvidsson, if he hit that during the playoffs, <laughs> oh, my God. Then everybody in Michigan would have been able to go, sieve, 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 sieve. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. <laughs> we want more goals, which is, by the way, one of the greatest chants in all of hockey, not just – Collegiate hockey, NHL hockey, pro hockey. That is the goal chant that Michigan State yells at the goalie, the visiting goalie, after every single goal. How demoralizing it is it to have 6,000 people chant, it's all your fault, it's all your fault. I'd love to know because if I heard that, I'd be like, oh, God. Hey, you goalies have a tough job. I mean, even at the at the NHL level, you when a goal gets scored on you and you're the visiting team, they actually put a spotlight on you. Yeah. And they, visiting, they put a spotlight on you while the whole crowd cheers and and jeers you and taunts you. And it's okay. And by the way, while we're on the subject of this series, yes, Varlamov was injured. That likely played a factor into how the series unfolded because he is he is a bona fide number one goaltender. Right. Bernier stepped in for Colorado. He did a decent job, but then started yeah. to fall. Yeah. And then Andrew Hammond comes in. Now, if you don't recall who Andrew Hammond is, he's the Hamburglar. 
Mm-hmm. And he had a very strong AHL season a couple years back, got brought into Ottawa. They all thought he'd be the savior. He gets traded, and everybody's scratching their heads. Like, this guy had so much success. Why isn't he in the NHL as a starter? I know I'm using my kind of average drunk beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that. And it's like, man, he won us that one game. Why, why aren't we starting him all the time? The guy had two starts in the playoffs, and he lost one of them. Like, yeah. the, the broad scheme of things for goaltending, and this is why I like to speak to it, is, is you need a large body of evidence to support a career and to give certain degrees of hype. Yes, if you go all the way back to the 70s when Ken Dryden won the Conn Smythe Trophy as a rookie in Montreal, but then he did, he, he won up that, and then the following season won the Calder as rookie of the year. Right. So you can't just look at the playoff blueprint and say that's what's defining them. Same thing applies to guys like Hammond. They might have a game or two, especially even in the playoffs. But then when you watch footage, you really start to break that kind of goaltender down and go, well, all right, he had one good game. That doesn't mean that he's going to carry you like Patrick Waugh did even more recently for Montreal back in the 80s in 86. Right. 93. Or even, yo, well, 93. You're a legend. But you. (laughs) But Hammond had a good first game. Everybody's praising it, saying, oh, he's going to carry them to the cup. Um, I'm like, uh, hold on a second. It was one game for right. a guy who spent the entire year in the American Hockey League. If he, And not to disrespect the American League, it's the second best league in North America. Mm-hmm. It's, you have a chance to go and watch an AHL game. Someone says, here's some tickets. You're not going to be like, I may as well go watch my son play his single a tournament no you shouldn't it's ahl hockey going right. watch right but there is that leap and you need that consistency hammond doesn't have that so can we stop the hamburglar train i know i know it's a great gimmick and he's had success all the power to him but at the nhl level you need a larger body of evidence before you start getting up. like bernier you can speak to this yes. more directly. Everybody hype Bernier is the next coming. And, and wait, who's still the starting goalie in Los Angeles? Yeah, exactly. Who? And Bernier, yep, Jonathan Quick. Absolutely. And Bernier's had his chances in a lot of different places. Had his chance in Toronto. You know, had his chance in uh, Anaheim. And, you know, now he's falling on his face in Colorado. Yeah, Not that he doesn't have flawless technique like everyone said, but the AHL is full of goaltenders with – quote, flawless technique, but there's something else to it. And let me ask you something, though. With the Wild, going to the Minnesota Wild, uh-huh. what did you think now? They replaced – they got rid of Chuck Fletcher, their GM. Now, is it fair – and I see things like this happen. So you wait until your team has their best defenseman injured and Zach Parise out, and then they lose a playoff series to a better team, and you want to can the GM. I, I think the overall sentiment, though, is, is that while there's been consistency, there's a big plateau. And whenever that starts to happen in an organization that, that doesn't really do well in the playoffs, no matter how you jumble, no matter how you trade towards the deadline, you want that shift in direction. And they, they gave great respect to his accomplishments while he was part of the organization. But when I read that, I wasn't terribly shocked because, yeah, you've got a perennial Vesna Trophy candidate in Devin Dubnik. And, and his career has sparkled since joining the Wild. Right. But while you get some of these little pieces, the overall picture still never adds up to a dominating team. They get a coach in, in Bruce Boudreaux who you think is going to put them over the edge. 
didn't happen. You make two big signings in Parise and in Suter a few years back. The two, one of the two richest contracts in the National Hockey League at the time. And while one gets injured frequently and the other is a defensive stalwart, again, not enough surrounding cast to make it right. happen. So you needed that shakeup. Who makes those decisions? Well, it's the general manager. So somebody else is going to get a great GM out of it. And maybe someone has a slightly different blueprint that adds that piece that gets you over that plateau mm-hmm. and brings you to that next level because they well, just they, haven't been able to do it. I kind of look at them. They're maybe in the same spot that uh, Nashville was, uh, say, uh, several years ago where they had the roster that didn't have uh, the – you need a, a few really – some good snipers. And that's what Nashville added. They added some good natural scorers, and that changed everything because Minnesota, one of the things I always saw with them was they would be dominating play, controlling the game, but always it was these one-goal games that they were trying to win down the stretch. And who did they have who could really bury the biscuit when they needed to? Yeah, you know, even Parise, he plays hard, but I mean just stone-cold assassin-type forwards who, if they get an area, you know, you give them a, a three-inch area of the net, a three-by-three three little corner, they're going to hit it. And they, and you're absolutely right. They don't have that that superstar that defines the team. They get good balanced efforts, but that's not enough. Like, when you look at a team like Pittsburgh, for example, who is balanced, but you have two bona fide superstars – one of which is injured right now in, in Yevgeny Malkin, but you know they'll take over a game entirely on their right. own and find that space that you need to bury the team. Nashville is a great example. You brought them up, and I talked about him earlier. Philip Forsberg seems to be that guy that if you need him to get that extra gear in and find that, that highlight reel goal to put your team over the edge and kill the confidence of the other team and bury them, you don't have that yeah. in, in – all the credit to Eric Stahl for a bounce back season, but right, right. his body of work since he had that breakout year in Carolina, what was it over a decade ago now? Like, or feeling it was about a decade now yeah, since 2006. He, yeah. When they won the cup, beat, Montreal, beat uh, Edmonton. Yeah. Yes. You have that incredible breakout year, but like you waited, I guess you could almost fairly say a 10 year gap before you revisit that goal. Nobody's going to bank on a 10 year gap for you to have that success that it all of a sudden you become the anomaly season. Right. So they don't, you, you, you bring up an excellent point about a team that's got success, but doesn't have enough to go over that. And again, Parise, as hard as he plays, the guy seemingly is just so Mr. Glass over the last years. It's inconsequential. Well, it's what it is, is when someone plays a heavy game, like Parise plays after a while, it starts to build up. And you look at it in recent season, you know, he's missing 15 games and missing 20 games a year. And I think one of the uncomfortable transitions is when you have to transition away from someone like Parise, who is a great player, who did give us all when he played, who's got that pedigree. I watched J.P. Parise play way back when, and no one was tougher than him in the corners. So he's got that going for him. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Minnesota. But, Let's get to the official call here. Uh, yes. uh, you're going with you're going with. I'm going Nashville, with the Predators. And are you saying? Would you say in four or five, in five or six, or in six or seven games? How do you see this one? You know what? Considering the amount of trouble Nathan McKinnon and company alone gave them in Colorado, yeah, 
I'm not going to be surprised to see this go seven games. Like this is going to be good goaltending, hopefully elite level goaltending. And, mm-hmm. and that's for both sides. And we're going to see two fairly evenly balanced teams in terms of what they can bring and line A is having another pretty strong, he's having a strong, not just regular season. That goes without question. Right. He's having a strong playoff in his sophomore year. So I, I'm going to pick the Predators just because they're overall, especially on the blue line, there's that extra depth, that extra little something to them that, like I said, when even Roman Yossi and PK Subban aren't contributing on the score sheet as much. Right. And those and no and if those guys wake up, then there's problems. But if you look at Winnipeg on that side, you got a couple of, like if Tyler Myers, right? Yeah, he's gotten injured, but if he's playing at his capacity, are you really going to put Tyler Myers on the same level as a Roman Yossi or a PK Subban? Same thing applies to Jacob Truba, as good a young defenseman as he is. Are you going to put him toe to toe? The only defenseman that Winnipeg has that you can legitimately put in the conversation with at least two Nashville defensemen is Dustin Bufflin. Right. Not taking away from him, not taking away from his incredible skill, his linebacker stature on ice. It's incredible to watch. He can take over a lot of game, but the balanced attack and the overall lineup that Nashville has, if Pecorine can win on the road, this is a team that's going to win in seven games. And also, one of the things I think that would give me a little bit of pause about Nashville is when I look at that Colorado series, even though, like I said, with great teams, sometimes that first round is the round where you've got to take them out, otherwise they create a monster. But they really kind of made a living off of Colorado mistakes in that first in that first round. Is Winnipeg going to make that those mistakes, or are they going to have to honestly, and I say it honestly, go out and win the series? By, because you're not giving, you're not getting given a, a a gift goal or two, you know, every game like Colorado gave them. So that may factor in. So I'm going to go ahead and side with you here. I like Nashville, and you got to go with the experience as well. And uh, yeah, Nashville in six or seven, and this is going to be it'll be kind of under the radar for everyone but those in Manitoba. But uh, this is going to be a great series. And I'm saying Nashville in six or seven, uh, just like you are. But I think Nashville will uh, prevail here. And two, two really, really loud buildings. And one thing that I, that I don't think we really touched on yet is Nashville went there last year. They were in it. And if you look at, at teams of the past where they were that close, like you felt they were on the cusp. Think of the Detroit Red Wings from the 90s, Right. They had to lose in a Stanley Cup final before they they hoisted the holiest of holy grails. Right. And, and even and even more to that point, the New Jersey Devils, right? New Jersey Devils lost in that guarantee from Messier. Don't even ask me to get more in depth on that. Well, hey, Tortorella says that guarantee was pure genius after he guaranteed a game seven. But you know what? That's the East. We'll, yeah, we'll talk um, about that next time. Okay. I'm not gonna go there. But the but the whole point is that New Jersey had to learn how to lose in a big game in mm-hmm. order to proceed and get over that. A lot of these kinds of, of setbacks generally lead elite teams, at least with good leadership and a good core to greater success. And that's why it's dangerous to look at a team like Tampa as well. But 
we'll talk more about that when we get to the Eastern right. Conference. Once, exactly. once the Leafs and Bruins settle it all up later today <laughs> in Boston, we'll finally get a picture of the East. But right now, we've we've discussed the West, and and we're both calling the the Vegas Golden Knights against the Nashville Predators at the beginning of the year. If anybody called that, guess what? Your ticket should get cashed in in Vegas right about now because you're doing all right. <laughs> you're doing better financially than me. I can't speak for you, but that's probably about a good three months worth of wages for me. <laughs> all right. There we go, people. So as we said, we're both going with Vegas to uh, take care of business against San Jose and then going with Nashville to win the hard-hitting series against Winnipeg. And remember, everybody, you can uh, download the Podbean app on your smartphone, and you can take us with you wherever you go. And uh, we got Talking Hockey. There's also uh, NFL Football Talk, another show. We also cover NBA Basketball and another one. So under the Inside Sports umbrella, Inside Sports presented by Humanican Media, and we got you covered just Podbean, and then you want to go to Inside Sports, and you'll have all of the uh, respective podcasts lined up right there for you. You can listen at your leisure, no matter where you happen to be uh, in the world. So remember, follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports. Follow Lonnie on Twitter at The Schwartz 5454. And that's S C H W A R T Z 5454. So for Mr. Lonnie Schwartz, I'm Charles E. Smith Jr. Thanks for joining us. This is Talking Hockey. And make sure that. You check out our Eastern Conference uh, Conference semifinal preview show, and that'll be available shortly. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Brink here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.